At Yachatz, we pick up the middle matzah, the whole middle matzah, show it to everybody, and we break it in half. We break it into two, hiding one half away for the afikoman and leaving one half here on the table. Many people say that the reason we do this is so that the children will ask, why are you breaking matzahs in the middle of the Seder? And there is definitely something to that. And I don't just mean that on the surface level of doing something strange so that children will ask questions, but specifically the Kavanah intentionally inviting in the wakeful wonder of a child. We'll speak more about this. But I want to refer to another reason brought for breaking the matzahs, and specifically here, not just hiding one away, but leaving one broken matzah on the table, is that this sets the stage for Maggie that's going to come next. We're about to begin to tell the story of the Exodus. And the Gemara, the Chachamim, the sages of the Talmud, say that this bread of matzah, it's called Lechem Oni, bread of poverty. And that word oni is because lechem sha'onim alav dvarim harbe. We answer a lot of questions from this impoverished bread. And in practice, the way that we do that is that we put this broken bread, this small piece of bread, this poor bread, right? It's not a whole matzah. It's just a little crumble, a piece of something. It's unwhole, it's incomplete. We leave that exposed in front of us, and on that bread, on that broken bread, we begin to tell our story. The bread of poverty is the bread that allows us to tell the story of our redemption. And as our way in, I want to start with a question that uh, my father asked many years and probably still asks at the Seder, um, which is a little tongue-in-cheek, but he, he would oftentimes say, you know, it says in the Haggadah, put the bigger half away for Afikoman and leave the smaller half on the table. And my dad makes this joke, what do you mean the bigger half and the smaller half? If there's half, not a bigger one and a smaller one. Half is half. And that really got me wondering, is there such thing as a bigger half and a smaller half? And in our tradition, I believe that this speaks to what in my mind is one of the fundamental um, stories and narratives of our universe. And this is brought in a Midrash Chazal, in the Gemara Chulin, um, page 60b. The Gemara notices that in the story of creation, it first says that God makes the two great lights, the two great, big, large lights. And then later, when these lights are created, in a few verses later, it says that God makes the Moragadol and the Moragatan, the very big light and the very little light. This obviously referring to the sun which is the great light, which is the powerful source of light that radiates its, its powerful light. And, this, and the moon, which is the small light, which waxes and wanes, which sometimes can't have any light of its uh, light visible in the moon. The moon completely disappears. And even in its essence, the moon is merely a reflective light of somebody else's strength. It doesn't even have its own light. And the rabbis say that really what was happening is that God intended for there to be two great lights, two powerful luminaries, sources of light, of equal standing, sharing that 
one great whole light of the universe, and that the moon said to God, is it possible for two kings to, to share one crown, to use one crown? And God said, well, if that's how you feel about it, go make yourself small. And then the, the, the Talmud gets into this whole debate between God and the moon and negotiation. Well, don't worry, being small is okay. Some of the, the greatest righteous people of, of, of the world are called small and, and so forth and so on. And, and at every stage, the moon is not pleased. The moon is dissatisfied, but the moon has to make itself the small light. And, and here really opens up a much deeper narrative about the nature of our world. Because the Gemara says, when God realizes that the moon will not be appeased, God says, okay, you're going to be a small light, but here's what I can say to you. Every Rosh Chodesh, every new moon, every beginning of a month when, as we know, there's actually no visible light of the moon, when you are at your smallest and darkest and emptiest, I want you to bring a sacrifice on my behalf. And here the Talmud points to the verse that says on Rosh Chodesh, it, it says, Heviu kapara elai, God says, bring atonement for me, shemi'atati atayareach, for I've made the moon small. Which is why it says in, in the Korban, in the sacrifice of Rosh Chodesh, it says to bring a chatat Hashem, a sin offering la Hashem which is oftentimes rendered to God, but Reish Lakish explains, no, 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 it doesn't mean to God, a sin offered to God. It means a sin offering on God's behalf. Korban chatat l'Hashem. And he puts words in God's mouth, Baruch Hu, as if God's saying, let this goat, this sacrifice, this sin offering on Rosh Chodesh, when you are at your darkest, be atonement al Let it atone for me for making the light of the moon small. Let it be that which somehow is forgiving this fundamental reality that God has created, that there is darkness in this world, that there is brokenness in this world, that there is lack and absence of light in this world. And at the point of deepest absence and darkness, God says, I'm sorry. I want you to atone for my making this happen. Now, what does that have to do with Lel Pesach, with Lel Seder? Well, think about what we're doing here. We take this one great whole piece of matzah, this wholeness, which the matzah, you might say, wait a minute, matzah, we're eating it because we are free. We're celebrating the freedom. And uh, before we even begin to tell a story that's going to end in freedom, we begin by breaking that whole into two. We leave one piece on the table and we take one piece and we hide it. We hide it for what's ultimately going to be tzafun at the end of this, towards the end of the Seder or afikoman. Tzafun means hidden. The rabbis say that there was a great light at the beginning of creation, a single powerful light that God saw was so precious it needed to be hidden away. Marav tuvcha asher tzafanta lireecha that great light of creation, that full revelation of God's goodness and life-giving connection and love to this world was tzafun at the beginning of time. 
because somehow for it to be received and manifested properly in this world, it had to come about through its concealment. It had to be hidden and discovered bit by bit by bit until it can be seen in its fullness. This is where we begin to tell our story of freedom by recognizing the brokenness that's at the root of things, by reverting back to that original shever, that original brokenness, and put it in the middle of our table and say, you know what? Things are broken. Things are broken in their essence, in their core. There's a crack in everything. That is where the light will grow from. That is where we will be able to receive the redemptive light, the redemptive story that can touch each one of us in the shard that we inhabit, that we embody and experience in this world. Each one of us is another little broken shard of that light. And we get to experience the growth and connection with that light in our own way, through our own personal narrative. And here on Pesach, through the national narrative. And we hide the bigger half away because we actually recognize that what is hidden, you know, the moon is the hidden light and we call it the Ma'or HaKatan. It's actually physically smaller, but in its essence, perhaps it has a greater vast greatness to it because that what's going to be discovered is so much greater than the apparent brokenness and smallness of our experience here when we arrive at and go through the process of being redeemed we discover a light we discover a divine truth that's so much greater than that broken state of darkness and loss that we started with but we can only get there by beginning with the broken piece. And so here, this broken piece, it's held and hidden for children to find. It's held and hidden for the ones who are embodying the future, the ones who are being born through this story, the ones who are going to come, that which will emerge at the end of this story. In a sense, this brokenness is itself where we develop and found our hope from. And I'm gonna give you a illustration of how this plays out in the story of the Exodus itself. As I've said in previous sessions here, where did the Exodus story begin? Where did the descent to Egypt begin? It began with Joseph and his brothers. And you know, when Joseph, once again, that splintered off, small fraction of the family, one piece, was broken away and cast away into exile. Joseph was there, and then eventually all of the brothers and, and, and Yaakov, the whole family, was suffering in a famine. And you know what Yaakov said to his sons? He said, I want you to go to Egypt. The word shever, which in Hebrew means brokenness, also means there is hope in Egypt. There is hope in Egypt. There is, it also it means hope, it also means that is where we can receive our sustenance from. Shever, from the word to provide and give sustenance from. We say, We are hoping to receive food from you, God. And you know who was sitting there in Egypt giving out food? Yosef himself, that broken off, discarded child who was sent off into exile. Yosef rose in status and power in Egypt till he became the mashbir till he became the one who provided food for everybody. Again, mashbir, that provider, the sustainer of all. 
is from the word to break, from shever. So there's a shever in Mitzrayim, and there's a mashbir in Mitzrayim. That very broken fabric of the family, where, where things were torn apart, where somebody was violently cast away and neglected into exile, from that broken place, from this moment of famine, in itself there is hope. In that very broken moment, in that very broken person, he is the one who embodies all of the hope and all of the sustenance of not only this family, but the entire region of earth at that time. Now, if we go further into the story of the slavery and redemption from Egypt, we actually see that over the generations, as we became slaves and became enslaved and were suffering, there were children being cast away and killed. And ultimately, there was a story of a child who was born, who himself was concealed, was hidden away, his mother hid him like the tzafun, and eventually he became that child who led us into freedom. And that was the child who was born on the birthing block, which in the language of our tradition is called the mashbir, is that place where new life breaks into being, and with that where new hope is born. So here at Yachatz, we recognize the brokenness. Yachatz means to split it into two. We recognize our splintered reality, our splintered selves, the fractured life that we are living right now. And yet, we also acknowledge the wholeness that it emerges from. You pick up that whole matzah first and you say, you know what? This wholeness is broken. But you know what is also true? If you feel fractured or broken or split, it's because there's a part of you that knows a more essential wholeness at core, at your roots. The pain of fracturedness that we feel is a symptom of the wholeness in ourselves that we know more deeply. It's a hidden wholeness. It's a wholeness that isn't apparent and revealed to us right now. It's a wholeness that we have some kind of trace of a distant memory of, that we begin yachatz with and tell our story through the brokenness to ultimately reach and taste the hidden light that emerges from our experience as splinters of this glorious, great light of wholeness. Each one of us is a splinter of wholeness. And in our splinterness and through our splinterness, through our splintered story, we may yet be able to taste that hidden wholeness, that hidden goodness that is saved for us, that is saved for our children, be them biological children, be them the children that are still alive within us, ready and waiting to be born to emerge, to walk, and grow into freedom. Yachatz. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Ravdaniel Kohn. The audio engineer is David Kwan. 
For more from the Chef of Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.